0: And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Tonight, I want to address a serious problem in the church today and in our church in particular. It's also a worldwide problem and it's the problem of hostility towards one another being indifferent towards one another, um, not having peace and unity amongst one another. That's one of the greatest causes of church splits, honestly, is that there becomes, because of pride, because of jealousy, because of selfish ambition, because of comparison and idolatry, it causes divisions in the church Hostility is also another word for enmity, so we're going to talk about these things tonight. Enmity is, uh, is a deep, rooted hatred or an irreconcilable hatred. but I'll also say some of you are like, well, I don't have any of that kind of hatred towards anyone, especially towards God. I'm open, but there's another form of hostility called. In being indifferent towards God. The opposite of love is not hate. In fact, it, hate can come out of love. Because you love something so much, you hate the evil thing. I hate, uh, I hate evil and wickedness. I hate anything that causes harm to my daughter or to my family. I hate sin. It, it, hatred is, can be a very good emotion. Anger can be a good emotion. Anger is not the opposite of love. The opposite of love is indifference. It's not caring. It's being complacent about God and about people. That's hostility. And that kind of hostility is the most dangerous of all. Because you could sit in the pews on every Sunday and every Wednesday indifferent. And no one would know it. But you're just as far away as the most hostile and angry person towards God. If, if not, you're farther. You're so near, yet you're so far james 3 talks about what causes divisions in the church james three fourteen says but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast and be false to the truth this is not the wisdom that comes from above but this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition it says is earthly unspiritual and demonic For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Disorder, division amongst friendships, amongst families, amongst people, amongst nations. And then it goes on to say, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your lusts are at war within you? You desire and you do not, and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? We live in a hostile world, Right? We live in a world that's surrounded by war, by uh, racism is one form of hostility, right? Of people groups hating other people groups. I know that word is thrown around and it means nothing today, but there actually is something called racism. Um, How about the hostility between Democrat and Republican? Or maybe the hostility between marriages and families that have been broken because of jealousy and selfish ambition? What about gang violence or or wars, these things that are caused by sin? But then on a personal level, each and every one of you come into this room bearing some form of hostility. It touches all of us. How can we have peace in our life? We're all looking for peace. Everyone wants peace, but we live in a world filled with hostility. Questions like this. How can I have peace with God when I keep going back to the same sins? How can I have peace with my parents who I feel like I can never be good enough for them? How can I have peace with my parents when I don't get my own way or when they don't love me and they've left my family? How can you have peace with your peers when you feel backstabbed, slandered, lied to, and made fun of by them? I'm sure that's happened in this group. And you're asking the question, okay, God has called me to reconcile, to have peace. God is a God of peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Yet I don't feel peace between friends nor with God in my life? How can homeschoolers have peace with public schoolers, or athletes with scholars, or the rich with the poor, right? All these artificial barriers and fences that our culture puts up, that our hearts puts up, that causes division in the church amongst you. You may not hate anyone, but you might be indifferent towards each other. And so I want to address this problem. What does God have to say about this? What does God have to say about making peace with one another? About confronting hostility and enmity and indifference? Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we've been in the book of Ephesians. So if you're new with us, Paul is the author. Well, really the Holy Spirit is the author through Paul. And Paul is writing from prison to the, Ephesians church, the Ephesian church, which is made up of Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile. Gentile means non-Jew or any nation, really. So you have Jews and you have Gentiles. And Paul, his whole goal in writing Ephesians was to show how God's eternal plan is being fulfilled in Christ to unite all things in heaven and earth. All things are being united in Christ, which is why, it's not behind me, but the series that we have is called Life in Christ. And a part of this plan of uniting all people in Christ Jesus implies the uniting of people that hate each other, that we're at war with one another, that are hostile towards one another. Uniting people to God who once hated God. And they're being united into Christ, but yes, into a new body called the church. So let's read together Ephesians chapter two, verse 11 through 18. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Let me pause there. God had chosen to bring The promised seed of the woman who will crush the devil and be a blessing to all the nations—he promised to bring this champion, this savior, through Abraham, and Abraham would be the father of many what nations? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had father Abraham. And what? How does it go? I'm one one of them, and so are you. Okay, (laughs) Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. So God, God's promise to Abraham, his promise to, was always to the nations. But God uh, uh, focused on one nation in particular to bring about the Messiah. And that was the nation of what? Israel. 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 That's right. And God made promises to Israel. God gave them the sacrificial system. And they were set apart from all the other nations. They, all the other nations were seen as impure and defiled. They worshiped other gods except for God's people. They were to be a pure people that are a priest to the nations, okay? And so there's this divide of Jews and then now the Gentiles have been cut off from all those promises. They were not included and that's what Paul's bringing out. You were alienated. You were strangers, Gentiles. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. But look at verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus you who were far off that is the nations have been brought near by the blood of Christ I love that for he himself Jesus is our peace who has made us both one and has broken in down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility how by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ceremonial law or the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man or one new humanity is what that means. So God breaks down through Christ this wall of hostility to create a new creation, a new humanity in the place of the two, no longer Jew and Gentile, but now one, so making peace, verse 16, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Mm-hmm. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Jesus, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access in one spirit to the Father. I love the Trinity there. This is our, the, the word of God. Historically, the Jews and the Gentiles, they hated each other. The Greeks... At the time, we're so proud. Of, if you're a Greek, you are proud to be Greek. All right. Anyone else that wasn't Greek, which is where Ephesus is, it's in ancient Greece. Anyone who was, uh, who lived in ancient Greece and was a Greek, they, they believed that they were superior to all people and all other peoples were barbarians. They were all uh, inferior to them and they looked upon all non-Greeks with disdain. In fact... It was ancient Greece uh, after Alexander the Great came through who defiled the Jewish temple and roasted a pig to the gods in their temple. They defiled Israel. They destroyed Israel. They raped, pillaged, and murdered uh, hundreds of Jews. And and so they looked down on all these other nations. They were the great ones. And so this hostility with the Jewish people is, is present when Paul is talking to them. And now they're in the church together. Imagine that. The Jews, on the other hand, they preferred to condemn the Gentiles rather than witness to them. God was gracious to the Jews in order to be gracious to the nations, but the Jews saw them as dogs, saw them as defiled, as disgusting. How do we know this? Name one prophet who was so mad at God for sending him to Gentiles. Who was that prophet? Jonah, Jonah that's right. He, he, he was so mad at God, God said, I want you to go and bring the gospel to Assyria. And he's like, nope. And he runs the other way, right? He flees. And then after he finally obeys, after being thrown into the ocean and swallowed by a fish and then vomited up on the land, like that finally got his attention, he goes and he preaches the gospel and all of them repent. And then he's mad about it. He's mad at God. This is how much the Jews hated Gentiles He was mad at God for saving them. Some Jews believe that God created Gentiles to use as fuel for hell. Many believe that God loved Israel and hated every other nation. In fact, Jewish women who were called to give to help non Jewish women give birth they, they would refuse to do so because that would make them responsible for bringing other, uh, another despised Gentile into the world. This is animosity, this is hostility. And this is who the church... This is These are the people that are now in the same church. How does God reconcile enemies? Make peace? Bring harmony between such hostility like that? But then also, personally in your life. It may not be to the same degree, but there's still hostility in your life between family, friends, people in this group, a school, your sports team. How does God bring peace? How does he tear down barriers? Not by politics, not by psychology, not by medicine, not by economics. No, by sending the hostility killer, Jesus Christ alone. Why? How does Jesus Christ kill hostility? Why did he send him? He sent Jesus so that we may have peace with God and man. And so I just asked the question, how does Jesus kill hostility in our life? I, in our lives, three ways from the text here. Three ways that Jesus kills hostility, that destroys hostility. And each of these have application for us here at Redeemer. First, Jesus kills the hostility by his blood. By his blood. Look at verse 13. What does it say? But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Jesus destroys hostility by bearing hostility, by becoming the hostile one for you and I on the cross. How does he make peace? By shedding his blood. Why? Because hostility is in our nature. Look at Ephesians 2.3. What does Paul say? That we were once dead in our trespasses and sin? And it says we were by nature children of wrath. Colossians 1.21 says this about us before we became Christians or those of you in here that don't know Jesus. It says that we are alienated from God and hostile towards him. So how can we have peace? What does this mean by his blood? How does Jesus do that? How is Jesus our peace? By becoming our mediator between God and man. You know what a mediator is? A mediator is someone who stands in the gap. Remember, God, God wanted to destroy Israel because they worshiped the, the, the. They made a golden calf and they started worshiping the golden calf. And then he's going to destroy Israel. Moses prays and he pleads and he intercedes. He says, God, do not destroy them. Have mercy on them. He's interceding, he's a mediator. The way in which God, uh, the people can relate to God is through Moses. But a greater Moses is here. A greater Moses, Jesus Christ. And the mediation, the payment price for sins is death. And in the old covenant, it was a lamb that took the death penalty for sin. But Jesus is the lamb of God who was slain for you and me. Our hostility, our hatred, our unkindness, our jealousy, our selfish ambition is what nailed Jesus to the cross And yet we still take part in it, believers. May it not be. Mm -hmm. You who are united to Christ. To treat others who are united to Christ with hostility. With unkindness or indifference. Not caring for them. Jesus was forsaken, banished, exiled so that we can be brought near. We who were far off. Think about it. Jesus is on the cross and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsook, forsaken, so that we could be brought near. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For in him we have redemption. Through his blood and the forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1.7. So how does this apply to our relationships? The life and death of Christ was not marked by jealousy. It was not marked by selfish ambition or covetousness, but by self-denial. I promise you, we would see such unity in our church and in this group if each and every one of us considered the needs of others rather than ourselves. If we did what Christ did and, and lived sacrificially, not thinking about ourselves, but giving ourselves for others, I promise you this place would, would, would visibly represent Christ in a way that would, would, would shock people. If you are a Christian, you have been united to Christ by faith alone. And if you have been united to Christ, it means you've been brought near to him. And those who live near to God display the peace of God in their friendships, in their homes. Not perfectly, but they're striving and they're fighting for peace. Jesus destroys hostility by his blood. It's not in your power. It's not in your good works. It's in his works. It's in his blood. That is in his blood is life. So that's the first way that he destroys hostility by bearing it on the cross, by shedding his blood for you and I. And then secondly, he destroys hostility by creating a new humanity. In verses 14 through 16, it says that he is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. How? By abolishing the law of commandments expressed In the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Jesus is the last Adam, he's the last Adam, and he comes to start a new humanity. And that new people of God is not recognized by circumcision. Or by good works, right? That's what, how Israel was, was, was known to be the people of God. But now, this new humanity is characterized by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God, in Christ, is making one new people. And he's destroying the wall of hostility that was between Jew and Gentile. See, in the Jewish temple, there was what is called the outer court and the inner court. And both these courts, the outer court, the Gentiles were able to go... And be a part of, but the inner court, they were not allowed to enter in. And between the two was this wall, this massive wall, this wall of hostility. And inscribed on the wall was something to the effect of a warning to the Gentiles that they would have themselves to blame for their death if they crossed into the inner court. We see a picture of this, I believe, in Acts 20 when Paul is in the, in the temple and they said he's brought Gentiles into the temple, into the inner court, and they literally beat him to the point where he's about to die. That is the hostility, the dividing wall that was set up because of the law between Jew and Gentile. The Gentiles were the defiled ones. They were impure. They were outside the covenant. They were ceremonial, uh, ceremonially unclean. They were under the Old Covenant laws, yet in Christ, Paul is saying that Jesus has broken down that wall. How? How has he done that? It says, in his flesh, in verse 14, in his body. How how so? What does that mean? It means this. Jesus was everything the Old Testament laws pointed to. Everything that the Old Testament ceremonial law had in and of itself pointed to Jesus. The priesthood... The tabernacle, the temple bread of the presence, the lampstands, the dietary laws, the purity laws, everything pointed to Jesus. But now Jesus is here. Jesus is the Passover lamb. He is the great high priest who intercedes for us. He's the water basin where the priests would wash themselves. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. Like the lampstand in the tabernacle, He's the light of the world. He is. He is God in the flesh. He's the word made flesh and tabernacled among us. John 1 14. He is the temple. He is the new Adam. He is the offspring of Abraham. And so when you read the Old Testament, you got to read it through the lens of Jesus, that it's all pointed to Jesus. Every single bit of it. And now that he has come, the Jews are clinging to the old covenant and Jesus is like, no, something new is here. It's no longer Jew and Gentile. I've come to tear down this wall of hostility how through his flesh so no longer are you known as Jew and Gentile you're given a new identity you're known as a child not a child of Abraham but a child of God I love this Galatians three twenty three through 29 says this or verse 28 says there is neither in christ there is neither jew nor greek nor slave nor free nor there is uh, there is no male and female for all of you are one in christ jesus and if you are christ then you are abraham's offspring heirs according to promise the point is this that if you have been united in christ you've been given a new identity your identity isn't based in what you do. It's not based in your ethnicity. It's not based in your gender. What defines you is Christ. And that was the problem with the Jews and the Gentile. They were defined by their ethnic roots. I'm a Jew. I'm a child of Abraham. Paul says, All the children of Abraham are those of faith. Jew and Gentile. The wall of hostility being broken in Christ Jesus as he creates one new entity, one new humanity, which is the church. The church. No longer two, but one people of God. So how does this affect the way that we treat others? Very simply. To be hostile to a brother or sister in Christ is to be hostile towards Jesus himself. To be indifferent indifferent towards a brother or sister in Christ, to not care for them, to not move towards them, is to be indifferent towards Jesus Christ himself. Why? Why? Because you're that united to Jesus Christ. When when Jesus confronted Paul on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus had already ascended into heaven. How is it that Saul was persecuting Jesus? By persecuting Christians. That's how united to Christ they are. And so when you treat each other poorly, you're bringing Christ into that you're not seeing each other rightly. When you look at one another, you should not see jock or nerd or homeschool or public school or basketball player, or football player. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You should see Christ. That is, that's what, how you should view people. They're made in the image of God. Remove all the social barriers, the sinful barriers that we put up. Stop erecting those. Jesus Christ has torn them down in his flesh. It's sinful of us to do that. (laughs) Look at the love that he has shown us. He's made us into one one new creation. By grace, through faith. Emulate that in your friendships. The work of Christ destroys hostility by creating one new humanity that is united in him. There's a very powerful story of this. Very powerful picture of this I got from one of the commentaries I was reading. He said, the author said, There's a story of uh, that is a, of a contemporary African church composed of believers from various tribes who had been the bitterest of enemies for countless generations. And a missionary was, uh, who was officiating the communion service in the church was deeply moved to tears. As he looked at the congregation and he looked at the members, he saw the chief of the Nagani tribe along with all with many other members of that tribe and then he looked and he saw members of the singa and tabuka tribes singing praying and participating in the lord's supper together so he sees these two tribes in the former years each of these tribes loved to brag about how many men women and children of the other tribes they had killed raped and maimed the old chief could remember the days when the young Nagani young warriors had gone out to attack their enemies. They had left a tr- behind a trail of burned and devastated villages and had come home with their spears bloodied with the death of, Singa and Tabuka, of the Singa and Tabuka people. But as they once were divided by the spilling of each other's blood, they are now united by the blood of their common Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the power of the cross. Jesus Christ is killing hostility in his blood by creating a new people, it's a beautiful people in heaven. We're going to see it. All these tribes represented. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be so beautiful. And lastly, he kills the hostility by being our free access to God the Father. It says in verse 17, this is the best news for us sinners. It says that he came, Christ came and preached peace. To you who are far off, that's us, and peace to those who are near, that is the Jews. For through Jesus we have access in one spirit to the Father. I love this, that though we were hostile at enmity and at war with God, he came preaching peace. And who is peace? It is Christ. He came preaching the gospel, the good news to people that were hostile towards him. Yes, he preached the law. He exposed their sin. But the primary message that he came preaching and that the apostles continued to preach to all the Gentiles and, and, and that we continue to preach is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to all people indiscriminately. Jesus came and said, preaching to all who are far off and those who are near. He did not pick favorites. He preached to all people. And the gospel message is not a message of self-improvement. It's not a message of you cooperating with God. It's not a message of you striving to be a better person and living your best life now. No, this is the message. The message of the gospel is this, that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And he is the only access to God the Father through the Holy Spirit. And it's free access to all and everyone who wants to come. You sit here, maybe hostile towards God and hostile towards people, but there is free access and free forgiveness offered to you tonight in Christ Jesus. He is the door. He is the door that you must walk through. And you might ask, well, what do I have to do to go through Jesus? Nothing. All you have to do is come. You just have to come. Come all. Do I have to bring my good works? No, just come as you are. Bring all your filthy works. Bring every sinful deed that you have ever done. Bring it all to Jesus. Well, do I have to be from a certain family? No, you could be from the worst family ever on on this planet and he will accept you. He will accept anyone. Do I have any washing to do? No. There's no launderer here on earth that could wash away the sinful stains upon your soul. But Jesus Christ can come to him. He offers free washing, free cleansing to all. So you mean I could come freely? Yes, you could come freely. But what is he like to sinners? He's gentle and lowly in heart. He's gentle. How, how will he treat me when I come? He will be kind. He will be gracious. He will receive you. By faith by faith alone. Peace. We need peace with God and peace with each other. I love this about Christ. Dane Orland says this. He says, for all of his, replen- for all of his glory and dazzling holiness, for his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. No prerequisites. No hoops to jump through. He is meek. He is humble. He is gentle. He's not trigger happy. He's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's not easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. The posture that is most natural to him is not a pointed finger. It's open arms. That is the gospel of peace. Freely. Do not reject it. With faith comes repentance. And that is Christ's heart towards sinners, towards you. And so, if you have received that gentle and lowly Savior, must we also be gentle and lowly and kind towards one another, right? Shouldn't we be the most approachable people? Should we be the least clicky people? Jesus is not clicky. He preached peace to all of you. (laughs) Indiscriminately. He didn't just have a best friend of three people. He preached to the whole world. And so just as Jesus preached peace, application for you, how can you not preach the gospel to your friends that don't know this dear Savior? You are called. Jesus was sent to preach peace. You are sent by him to preach to all people, to come to Jesus. And then second application is just as Jesus is so accessible to the worst of sinners, which is good news for all of us, are you accessible to one another? Or do you close yourself off? I only hang out with these people. These, this is my friend group. I don't have any capacity for anyone else. Imagine if that was Christ's heart towards you. I've already, I, have so, I will only have so, this much capacity. I will show it to these sinners. But that sinner way too hard no don't have the capacity for him see how selfish we could even be in our friendships yes i'm not saying you need to be friends best uh, i don't even like best friends you're gonna have close friends you're gonna have an inner inner circle but the general attitude towards people here should be you're my brother and sister in christ you're my family and we have a common bond in jesus christ and that bond is written in blood That's the good news, and that's the application to the the good news. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So in conclusion, the whole Bible can be summed up in this. Adam broke God's law in the garden, plunging all of us into sin and death. And God cursed the serpent saying, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And this champion, this savior from the woman will bruise your head, Satan, but you will bruise his heel. This was the first pronouncement of the gospel of peace. That one will come to destroy the hostile one. That one will come to destroy enmity. And he did it by shedding his own blood by creating a new people, a new humanity, and by being our free access to God the Father. I want to end with Jesus's prayer in John 17. He says this, and here's the thing, Jesus's prayers are always answered. He says, I do not ask for these only, John 17, 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you are. Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me and that they may become perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. We serve an awesome savior come to jesus do you know the prince of peace father god thank you so much for this passage of how you kill hostility in christ and come preaching peace to us who do not deserve it we love you we're so thankful we're so fortunate lord we're we're so thankful fill us with gratitude renew our hearts to live for you to 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 pursue godliness and holiness because of not to earn salvation but because we are saved by grace oh god warm our hearts to the gospel renew our heart to evangelize the lost and let us be a a, a place of peace so that many may come to know the prince of peace jesus christ through us in jesus name amen